This is Lonnie Veasley, and you're listening to the Ready to Sell podcast, a show to help you sell your company. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Ready to Sell podcast on the Tidings Network. And today I have Tom Koba, the CEO of Murphy Business Sales with us. And uh, he's going to talk a little bit about himself and about Murphy Business. So, uh, Tom, uh, before we get started, can you tell some of our listeners from your perspective about Murphy Business Sales? Sure. Thanks, Lonnie. Thanks for having me on. Um, This has been exciting. I've been with the Murphy brand uh, coming up on five years. And uh, what we do on a regular basis is we help put people into business. And from doing that, they go out and help other people buy and sell businesses. And sometimes it's a small business. Sometimes we move up market, lower middle market to multi-million dollar businesses. Uh, but we're set, we're in the business of trying to help our people, our brokers and franchisees, be successful helping other people, which is a pretty nice model. So they're doing a little bit of matchmaking, if you will, mm-hmm. looking for a seller, trying to match up that seller with a buyer. And then after that, take care of a lot of incidentals. You know, what are the costs? What are... What's the financing? Where do I get financing? Do I need an attorney? Do I need an accountant? What type of paperwork do I need? And, and then at the brand level, Murphy Brand, we help provide some of the back office systems, some of the tools that are needed. We make sure we advertise that business on a number of websites. Um, and so we take care of a lot of that. We market it, if you will. And we're hoping to help take that business that's up for sale, find a buyer. And then our, our franchisees and brokers uh, will complete the transaction. And, and there is some time involved in doing that. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're looking for a successful, happy outcome for both the buyer and the seller. Um, no doubt that things can get tense going through those things. The sellers, you know, leaving something that maybe they spent years themselves and their families and they're handing it over to someone else. And so it can be emotional. And oh, yeah. It can be stressful. Um, but leading up to that closing day when everybody's shaking hands and exchanging money, and uh, and then we look forward to our people having a successful day as well because that's how they earn their income. They get commission off of that transaction. Um, and it does vary depending on the size of the transaction. Um, but we're there to help. And so our, our people are doing a great job sort of being quarterback, if you will, making sure a buyer and a seller are lined up, making sure financing is in place, any other legal documents that are necessary. Um, they're, they're trained professionals at what they do, and they do a great job. And we, you know, we consider that we have the best in the industry. And so we give them a great deal of good training up front, and then we provide ongoing support with documents, the proper contracts to use, proper documents, licenses, uh, whatever is necessary. And we have some great banking relationships as well. I mean, they, they step in and, and help make it a little bit smoother, a little easier. And so those relationships are key to us as well. And then we have some financial advisors that uh, can help come in and make sure that, um, you know, they may be wealth advisors, they may be tax advisors, but they want to help make sure that things are done properly for uh, the seller going out who may make a windfall. And the last thing he wants to do is pay a lot of taxes. Um, and then the buyer coming in, are they structured properly in terms of how they're setting up their new business? So there, there's a lot of steps in there. And oh, I yeah. just kind of touched on a few of them. 
Um, but it's an exciting process. I mean, earlier, earlier in my career, I did a lot of transactions, which kind of came full circle for me. Uh, took a detour into other businesses along the way, but oh, yeah. coming back to this um, has been has been a great experience for the last four and a half five years now. Oh yeah, no, and you've done a great job. Uh, Tom has been our CEO for about five years now, and he's really taken our company. You really taken our company to another level, and I can attest to a lot of things you said. But the the mo- most thing that I'm proud about hanging my license with Murphy Business Sales has been over nine years now. Is the training? The, the training is second to none. Uh, I remember just being in this business for two years. And I was talking to other brokers that were in this business for five or seven, 10 years. And I knew more than them just because of the training, the back office training, all the support that we get from, you know, the, the corporate office and all the other brokers nationwide. So Tom, um, speaking of um, your background, you have a pretty impressive background before Murphy. Um, you were with a lot of different companies like Subway and Dunkin' Donuts and Baskin Robbins. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, my, my background is quite interesting because it's a little bit atypical. So my, my schooling and education was up in, in New England uh, with the outcome. My intent was to become a doctor. And so I had gone through undergrad and started medical school. And oh, I didn't and then, know that. Oh. And then took a, a big detour into the business world, which is always fascinating to me. So I always, you know, kind of worked with numbers and, and a little bit of entrepreneurship in my younger days as well. And so got into that. So yeah, I've held, I've held leadership roles in some of the big global brands, McDonald's, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, Baskin Robbins, Togo's, Subway. Um, and did, then speaking moved, of Subway, did you, um, sorry to interrupt you, but did you have something to do with the $5 foot long? I've heard that rumor. Yes. Um, yes. That was, that was, uh, there was a lot of research and development into getting that prepared to go to market because it was a big national campaign. And it was the first time ever uh, that the brand put a price point on national television. So you don't usually see that. And so there was that. There was a concern from franchisees about profitability. So when you reduce a price to $5 for any sandwich, I mean, there's varying food costs on depending on what the sandwich is, the content of the ingredients. Uh, But that was a concern of theirs. So we had to work through that, had to work through supply chain, make sure if this hit big uh, that we had enough product we can't start selling out and then you know customers are disappointed and so we had our initial tv buy and we knew we would go on television for so many weeks and at the time i mean what what was fascinating to me about the timing of that which was brilliant back then was gas was going to be four dollars a gallon back when we brought the five dollar foot long out so you can imagine the value proposition like a gallon of gas or something that could take me through a great meal or two meals if i cut it in half uh, which a lot of college students would say, hey, I can eat half for lunch, half for dinner because I'm on a limited budget. Um, so the timing of that was great uh, in terms of value proposition. But it also, you know, to some degree changed the landscape of the fast food community. And so we started taking, you know, money off the table at lunchtime from the other brands. And we kind of woke everybody up. Um, some of the other brands started paying attention, started trying to do copycat with their own $5 this or $5 that. But for the brand, I mean, we were we were selling 10 million more sandwiches every week, wow. which was fascinating. Wow. So, so there was that. And then, I, I, ironically, I did a transition over. So I had leadership roles in all those businesses, which was great. But I transferred over to residential and commercial services and service master. And um, so people say, well, how, that's different than food and hospitality. But 
those were also franchise systems, but I was also at a leadership level where it's important to put a great team in place and, and execute a good strategy, execute the strategy and make results. And that resulted in an IPO on Wall Street. Um, and so we were successful with that and went to market. And then, um, you know, my entrepreneur spirit kicked in. So I founded and started up a couple businesses after that uh, with some partners. And so those are some sort of silent investors, if you will. I consult a lot. I sit on a number of boards and uh, help out in the brokerage industry in general at, at a broader level. So it's been it's been a fun ride. But I enjoy the challenge. I enjoy the chase. I enjoy interacting oh, yeah. with people. So We love transactions. I, I would say we're, we're transaction junkies here. We love uh, putting deals together. Didn't you have something to do with uh, the Baskin Robbins and Dunkin Donuts mergers or getting those? Yeah. So back in the early nineties, um, it was interesting because you have Baskin, which at that time was a very large, successful Northeast chain with some global presence, some national presence, but very strong regionally, Northeast Atlantic, uh, mid Atlantic, Southeast, a little bit in the Midwest, Chicago, those kind of markets. And Baskin Robbins was a very strong West coast player. Um, their headquarters was Southern California, um, outside of LA, Glendale, Burbank area. And with a very good international presence, they sold as much ice cream outside the country as they did inside the country, which was kind of fascinating at the time. But we were, we were going, the Duncan brand was publicly traded on the NASDAQ at the time. And we were going through a hostile takeover attempt. And so we're doing everything we could to, you know, keep the company strong and keep it focused on, on doing what we did, which mm -hmm. was operating donut shops <laughs> and selling a lot of coffee. And so um, then shortly after that, we were picked up by a British firm and uh, they bought us, but they also had Baskin Robbins in their portfolio. And so then there was a, we merged those two brands together, but you had 3000 miles in between headquarters and support team and, all the resources that are there, accounts payable, receivables, HR. And this is the early 90s or the early 80s? 90s. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So and we don't so, have the same technology. No. So that was that was interesting because we had a very large field organization that helped our franchisees. And so it was how to make sure that, you know, we were supporting both brands. And then we did a lot of work on co developing combo units with two brands. And then we, we bought uh, Togo's, which was a, a sub shop on the West Coast up in the originated up in the San Jose area, a couple hundred units out west, and um, tried to bring that in. And then we started developing three stores under a roof. So optimize the real estate play and uh, try to you know optimize the operational components of that as well. But, you know, Duncan was primarily breakfast and, you know, snack food, coffee, donuts, bagels, breakfast sandwiches. Baskin Robbins was a snack or a treat afternoon evenings. And we said, we, we don't really have a meal here. <laughs> which made us pursue Togo's, which was, you know, great lunch brand uh, with subs. And so uh, that kind of rounded it out. But um, it was after that that I, I went to become COO of Subway Worldwide. And so it kind of a little bit of a relocation for me from Boston back to Southern Connecticut, which is where I grew up, and um, take on what became the biggest brand in the world. We passed McDonald's while I was there. Um, and so that was fun. You mentioned the wow. five dollar foot yeah. long, and uh, you know, did can't work today though with the with the um, 
with the inflation, that, that $5 foot long just probably wouldn't work today and well, have the supply yeah, issues, but the It's come great back timing. and forth a few times. It has, okay, I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, probably oh. $6 is probably more appropriate today to kind yeah. of, you know, fluctuate with pricing and but supply chain is also difficult today. So, oh, yeah. So we were, we were in 99 countries. Um, and so I had responsibilities globally for all of that. And so it was, it was a little bit tricky, you know, in a lot of ways to keep that growing and keep everything moving. We had uh, 36,000 locations wow. when I, when I left there. Wow. And so it was, but it was always challenging every day. One day you're focusing on, you know, making sure one store is okay. And the next day you're thinking about 36,000 and how's it all going. So, uh, but it was fun, fun experience. Yeah. Definitely impressive background. So, so Tom, you've been the CEO for uh, Murphy for about five years now. Um, in your eyes, in your mind, what sets Murphy business sales apart from other brokerage firms? Yeah, there are, there are a few things. So we already talked a little bit earlier about training and, and we believe we have the best training in the industry from, you know, some initial online pre-training, which serves as a prerequisite for classroom training. And then uh, a week of classroom training as well with live, you know, teachers in the classroom and interaction with the students. And uh, with COVID, you know, we had to go virtual for a number of cycles there, but we're looking to bring back the live classroom element. We think it's a much better environment for teaching and absorption learning. Um, and so the training is very strong. Our back office systems are, are great, uh, which we provide a lot of support there and making sure that things are contracted properly, documented properly. They're in the system. Somebody's paying attention to all of that, um, keeping the timelines going, keeping things moving. And then I would say we have another a great tool in Murphy Connected, which is our own intranet. But at any given moment, I mean, this this runs 24-7. That's the beauty of it. People, you know, we're in 38 countries in Canada. So any one of our people can be a, a Murphy Connected anytime, day or night. And what they'll do is use it as a resource to interact with each other, but also to get some help, assistance, advice. Um, and so the community that we have, which is probably about 240 people in our system, um, they are wonderful at helping out. Um, Definitely, I so, agree with that. Yeah, you, you can get something like, hey, I just stumbled on this business. Um, and I'm not sure how to price it. I mean, one, one that, you know, I always remember, and I use it as an example a lot. I remember one of our brokers saying, hey, I, I'm trying to sell a funeral home. <laughs> how do, where do I start? And so I, think I, I said, wait a one. minute, <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's like any other business. So there's revenue, there's cost, there may be real estate involved, commercial real estate, um, there's operating expenses. And so when you start peeling it back, it looks like another business, but just oh, yeah. a different category. And so then, you know, the things that become important is, is are the revenues good? Are they going up? They're going down. What about profitability? Is management going to stay on or not? Because who knows how to operate a funeral home yeah. if they haven't well, done it, that before. You're always going to have customers. There's no, there's not going to be a shortage of customers. That's right. People are dying <laughs> to get in, right? Yeah. Is that what the expression is? Yeah. Um, so, so, but our people will help out. We have some great people that are very knowledgeable or had experiences where we're we're closing hundreds of transactions every year. Oh yeah. And so someone has already maybe walked that walk and seen that transaction happen. And so they're in a good uh, position to provide advice and they're, they're free with their advice. I mean, it's wonderful that they help out. 
And it's not like we don't have anybody coming in trying to take someone else's deal. Uh, there's none of that going on. I mean, that's that's a comforting thing that there's no internal competition. And then we obviously will co-broker uh, when it happens, you know, where there's another brokerage firm involved or another broker. Um, and but what we what we see in a lot of those is that our people are overskilled, and uh, sometimes bringing along the other broker and and teaching them along the way. Yeah. And so, but at the end of the day, they're splitting commissions. I have that, so. but I, I try to do that just to because uh, you know that broker is still going to be out there with another firm, and I, I want to make sure they're at least giving good advice to to these business owners. Um, another question I have for you: um, what's the, what's the most proudest thing? Um, I wouldn't say about Murphy, but since you've been here, what's what what are you most proud of? I can tell you um, what I'm most proud of, what the things that you've done uh, in the last five years. But what what can you say if you can think of anything the most thing you're most proud about Murphy in the last five years? Well, I think we've grown to a really good place in the market, and so um, we were on the smaller side a few years back, and and maybe we don't always didn't do things the way we should have in the past. So, you know, things build over time. And sometimes, you know, this is a pretty well-established business. We, we've been in business since the early 2000s, started franchising in 2006. I think 94, I believe, we've been, I think yeah, when, when in terms we first of started, yeah. With a different model. Oh, right? the franchising, yeah. Brokerage Correct. Under, yeah. under the original founder, Roger. Mm -hmm. And so it was a time to, you know, as we move forward, if we wanted to grow, we needed to institutionalize some of our processes, keep, you know, upgrade our training, keep that going, um, and provide uh, a, a good model for bringing in more people across the country. Um, and then we've upgraded some of our marketing efforts, our digital efforts, our web platform. Um, and so we're, we're trying to make it more easy for people to find us. Um, so there, you know, we need the recognition out there in the marketplace, awareness, and so um, people do find us. Probably one of the things that's, that's pretty fascinating to me is um, that every week we get a report. And the report is a summation of all the new engagements, all the new listings, who are the new sellers that we brought in across our system. And so that comes out eight o'clock every Monday morning, routinely, which is wonderful. It gets what most people don't know gets put together Sunday night. Um, I like seeing those too, by the way, because you know I'm very competitive. So when I see like, oh man, I better get me some more deals on the on the table there. But yeah, and so <laughs> that comes out, and 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 what we do is we see what's what's new and what's for sale and who's got it listed and all of that. Um, so so that that helps us out. And so what we've seen on that report is where's the source of that seller coming from. And it it's speaks well to our brand that more than 50% of those sellers are coming from referrals. That means that somebody out there is probably saying something good about one of our people and how they performed, enough to stick their neck out and say, yes, I refer Lonnie because he did a great job on my last closing, or I refer the Murphy brand because they operate with an honesty and integrity. They got my tax returns, they got my social security numbers, and I can trust them with all of that stuff. And my family was happy. So more than half of our business comes from referrals, which is wonderful. People like what we do and they like the professionalism. They like the confidentiality, which are some of the qualities that we're actually known for in the marketplace. 
So when people do contact Lonnie or contact Murphy, um, they know they're getting a professional that's going to watch out for them and treat them the right way professionally. Oh, yeah. Now, and that's, that's um, pretty much similar to all the things that I'm proud about. But I, I, what I'm happy about as well is, um, you know, I guess we're considered we, we sell Main Street businesses, but we're kind of in that lower M&A space. And you've, you've kind of taken us there where the average transaction, at least from our competitors, and, and we were there too, what was it, two hundred fifty to three hundred fifty thousand dollars as far as actual sales price? And the last couple of years were probably about a million dollars on average, our average deal. So it's, which has kind of been you know same for me. So it's really helped me out. But um, what what would you if you had um, what advice would you give someone if they were thinking about selling their business now? If you're sitting in front of a business owner, what advice do you think you'd give to them? Yeah, obviously, you know trying to understand what's inside their head, you know, when they're getting prepared for what might be the biggest transaction of their life. Um, and so is it going to be emotional if it's, uh, you know, it's a family is, is both the husband and wife prepared for this and are they aligned? Um, it's not unusual that one party might want to sell and the other one goes, Whoa, 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 Whoa. We still oh, yeah. need to pay for the kids' <laughs> educations and, you know, time out. Don't do that yet. Um, and so, Usually it's that. And then, you know, quickly right after that is what's the quality of the paperwork? Are there, are there good files? Are there good tax returns? And then, you know, is there anything that needs to be cleaned up in the business? You know, some of these well-established businesses that have been in place for, you know, 10, 20 years start to gather unnecessary inventory. Well, we bought 100 of these. We sold 90. There's 10 in the back room. And that goes on year after year. And next thing you know, you've got quite a bit of inventory that has no market value and it's just clutter. Um, And then, you know, cleaning up the financials. It's, you know, what we see often is sometimes entrepreneurs, you know, want to minimize their taxes. And so there may be extra costs on their P&L that, you know, why not recast those and get optimal value? Because we can help you get the best value for your business. And, and working with a professional broker like Murphy, um, you know, we're going to, we, we are looking to maximize what you can get out of it. That said, however, sellers sometimes say they dream of bigger prices. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so oh, yeah. that's probably one of our biggest challenges, understanding the, you know, that reconciling the seller's view of the value of their business versus what the market will bear and what our, our brokers will, will work up for them. Um, that's a challenge every day. Oh yeah. What what should they look for, uh, in your opinion, for a broker when they're interviewing a broker or a broker's firm? What what's your in your opinion? What should they look for? Yeah, obviously, you know, we we have a professional approach, and so there is honesty and integrity in what we do. We have a great track record. Um, we've been in business a long time. We have people all over the country that do this. And so this is, you know, no pun intended, this is not our first rodeo by any means. And then it's not just the person they're working with, but there's a support team behind that. Um, And so there's the home office and and a team that can help with some details. Um, And we're all there. And then our partners, our lending partners, our financial advisor partners, uh, we bring that to the table to help that seller, help the buyer too at times the buyer doesn't have financing, we can always recommend a lender that we've worked with that we know with confidence going to treat them the right way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, just a few more questions. I know you're a very busy man, Tom, but um, what does the, you know, the future of this industry look like? What are your thoughts on where this is going? 
Yeah, the industry is quite in- interesting, and, and it, you know, we're just a subset of a very macro-level financial market, right? So uh, we do know that you mentioned Main Street and lower middle market, which is where we play, but we've been moving up market, as you said, and we're getting credentials in moving up market. We're getting credibility there so people can trust us with those bigger transactions. But what is happening now is, you know, there's the presumed tidal wave coming. What's the tidal wave? It's, it's many, many of the businesses and a lot of wealth in the country are controlled by the baby boomers. And the baby boomers are getting older, no doubt about it. You can't stop time. And so they're going to sell their businesses at some point. And probably more often than not, it does not get transferred to a family member, a child or a grandchild. Uh, more often we're seeing that it gets transacted outside of the family. Uh, the next generation may not want to operate the business that their mom and dad you know, started and ran. And so those baby boomers getting older, uh, we see age as a condition for sale. We see uh, health, we see burnout, we see divorces. Um, and those are some drivers, but age is probably the one that's more prevalent now with baby boomers looking to sell and retire. Age and health has been my top one over the last nine years, I would say, here in Florida. Yeah, so the demographics would say that that's the biggest category coming. And so um, we're, we're excited about that in the right kind of, in the way that we can help those people and we can uh, make sure that they get treated properly and so what it, I think means for our industry is that uh, we're going to have a lot of activity, a, a lot more than we've been seeing. And then the, the challenging part will probably be finding the buyers. And so who are those buyers and how do they get them qualified to buy a business? Um, and then uh, from there, you know, there's some headwinds all the time. We don't know where taxes are going. So the person selling, are they going to get hit with a bigger tax bill? next year or the year after than they would have had this year or last year. Um, and so it's, it's interesting. Lending is pretty good right now. Uh, that can change. There's, there's discussion of maybe interest rates going up two, three, four times this coming year. That, that could hurt a deal, right? Definitely. Um, if it starts costing more to do that, that puts downward pressure on the price. And so now enterprise value is different. Oh, yeah. So uh, just wrapping up here, um, what would you say to, um, you know, a broker out there that's struggling? I, I know that, you know, we can use more agents here in the office. A lot of some of our guys and gals are getting a little older. Um, I think I'm still the youngest here. I mean, I'm 43, <laughs> been here for almost 10 years now, but I'm still the youngest. But I know we can use some new agents. And what would you say to um, a broker out there that's uh, on his own, doesn't have all the support or someone that wants to start their own business, their own franchise. I know we're in, we're in 38 states and um, we're, we've got some offices in Canada, but I know we definitely want more offices and more good brokers out there. So what would you say to those um, would be brokers that are struggling or want to get to get in this industry or want to start their own uh, uh, brokerage firm th- under Murphy? Yeah, certainly there's great opportunity in this as an individual business owner. So whether it's a franchisee or an agent, they are an independent business owner in their own market, but yet they've got the strength of a national player, a national brand that's got you know a lot of the systems and tools figured out. And so we take, take a lot of risk out of the equation for somebody starting up or transitioning in. We have had a, a handful or so of people that came from other brokerage firms or independents and join Murphy. 
and I, I, you know, can think of all of them, and I would think they would give us great, great marks of making that transition and seeing as a better experience for them and what they've been doing in their career. For people starting out, it's, you know, they hopefully they, they really have the fire in the belly, and it's just something they like doing, doing the matchmaking and celebrating that transaction day and making a big paycheck out of it. Um, and, and because, you know, maybe in the past, this was something that was almost looked at as like a semi-retirement thing and a hobby. Today, it's a livelihood. And we have a number of people that have joined us over the last few years that have come in and took advantage of the system that we built, executed it well, and have become extremely successful. And when I say extremely successful, um, this is well beyond the lifestyle they were accustomed to before. Maybe they left a seventy or $80,000 job or a $100,000 job, and now they're here transacting businesses and making multiple times what they were making before. That changes your lifestyle. I mean, that's a big deal. Definitely. And they get to be their own boss while they're doing that. So there's no one, you know, no big corporate hierarchy telling them what to do and where to go and when to clock in and clock out. But if they want to come in and, and execute, they make their own hours, and they're, they're in charge of their destiny, which is beautiful. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what I appreciate about, about that here. Um, you know, I would say, you know, I, I have, there's no floor, but there's no ceiling either. And I really do appreciate hanging my license with Murphy and definitely appreciate uh, you being the CEO here. Um, thank you for being on the show today. Do you have any, you know, final comments or anything you want to, anything else you want to touch on? Well, certainly I appreciate this time and, and your candor as well. And you've had a great cycle with us. And so certainly very Thank rewarding. You. And, and as you said, you're still young. So we're looking forward to a lot more years of your success. Um, and as well as the Murphy it. brand Me success. Too. Definitely. We're, we're really leading the charge here in a big way. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Definitely proud to hang my license with Murphy. Uh, definitely the best brokerage firm out there to sell your company. So if you do want to be a broker, I suggest joining Murphy Business Sales if you want your own franchise. I'm not sure if we have many franchises left in Florida, but um, I'm sure there's some spots left in Florida, maybe like Pensacola or something like that, but definitely nationwide, we have plenty of spots left over. So again, thank you everyone this week for joining the uh, Ready to Sell podcast on the Tidings Network. Make it a great week. <laughs>